Hi, Bothered Brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. Not enough of y'all are subscribed to Victory the Creator, so I'm hoping that changes today. So with me today as a guest here on Progressive Profiles is Victory the Creator. Victory, tell us a little bit about yourself. Keep voguing. Like, you do you. <laughs> um, I am a internet humorist, a digital storyteller, an online Cleo, if you will. I am a person making content that emotionally connects with my viewers on the internet. I love having conversations in my comments. I am super interested in building Black masculinity up into a thing that solves more problems than it creates, specifically because I am a Black man. Masculinity as a whole needs to be reformed. Patriarchy is a thing, but Personally, I'm focusing on my black ass masculinity because that is what I can control. Um, okay. I love just talking with people. That's why I'm here today. Yeah, we're going to have yeah, fun here today. I guarantee it. All right. Yeah. It'll be super dope if like, y'all subscribe to me. It'll be super dope. Yeah. yeah uh, well, yeah. Like, and that's what we should actually talk about is um, for the subscribers here on my channel. Um, I found out actually about you, Victory, uh, from FD Signifier in like his uh, follow-up video to Break Bread, and I was just clicking around thinking, oh, you know what? Uh, these are interesting perspectives. I want to check that out. But there was one that resonated with me the most and most immediately, where I was like, oh, I got to check this out. And it was about you know a, the dual identity of growing up uh, not just as like black, but also identifying as Nigerian in america uh if you don't mind saying like where broadly in america are you speaking like deep south west coast like uh me personally i do share the city that i live in only because i want to find other content creators in the area just in case i do choose to pursue for example production project i can reach out to other creatives okay. overpay them that is the goal <laughs> um i live in indianapolis indiana am i going to tell you which which like where no but i do live in indianapolis indiana um aka cornfield deluxe for those of you the uninitiated um it's the midwest yeah, it's the midwest it, it is it's the place you drive through to get to more interesting places <laughs> oof uh you know I'd, I'd say that's uh that's too harsh but unfortunately that it's also accurate um, so then, yeah, like, let's, let's talk a little bit then about, um, growing up. So like, what was it like growing up, not just black in the Midwest, like in Indianapolis in the center of like a cornfield, but also as a Nigerian. Oh, what's this black in Indiana. Okay. <laughs> That's a wonderful new book by uni Eunice Brewery Trotter. Y'all should go check it out. If you don't already know about it. Um, Growing up black in Indiana is very specific. First of all, we don't really call it Indianapolis. We call it Naptown, um, the black people. Uh, okay. So, We're learning things here. I love it. Yes. Growing up in Naptown is, um, huh. I'm trying to be PC on the internet, Lord. Um, <laughs> Good luck. It's, it's a very specific experience because we do live in the Bible Belt a little bit, you know? So like, very religious experience but also what is the word that isn't just the cuss word like i really need to like articulate this in a better way because i was just gonna say a word that i cannot say redacted but it's very culturally black in a lot of the times especially for me because i grew up in a predominantly black and latino middle school kindergarten and then i for me like for high school i switched over to a more predominantly white space culture shock um, <laughs> oh my God. freshman year people always talk about senior year being the hardest year no freshman year is my hardest year senior year was chill i really don't care 
um, going to a predominantly white institution. I'm not, I'm listening. I'm not gonna say they name on camera because they're not gonna come for me. But what I will say is like, it's an experience. It is. <laughs> and it's yeah, deeply, uh, you know, like, quotations, experience, right? Of like trying to be diplomatic because like, oh no, can't offend too many people, right? It's a lot of policing your blackness is what I will say. It's mm. a lot of knowing which rooms in which you can say the things that you completely want to say the way that you want to say them. And it's also knowing how to say what you want to say, say what you need to say in a way that isn't like pot stirring or, you know, causing too much of a quote unquote commotion. It's not, but you know, it's just, that's how it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, that's, that's the unfortunate reality of being a minority in a predominantly white space. And it's also something I discussed in one of my videos talking about human capital. Like that is a part of your human capital, how good you are at um, kind of negotiating yourself and your environment and how much of yourself that you show in which way that is a part of your human capital and how valuable others view you. Definitely. Actually, I would say I'm really good at that. So, And to, to, to sort of touch on that point a bit, um, I find that that relates to something I've had experience with, which is when people say, Oh, but you don't sound Latino. Like, like uh, I'm supposed to be like, "Eh, hey, cómo estás, muchachos? ¿Qué dices, corno?" Uh, like, no, I'm not that. like that because I grew up in like a different way. Like, I grew up as both a Canadian and a Latino. You know, I grew up with like this like intense Catholic guilt and. Like a like a a half black half indigenous like Latin American indigenous father, um, who's a Rasta by the way. He's a fascinating individual. I'm probably gonna have him on here at some point. But you know, there's that being like one part of my life, and then there's my mom who is like six different flavors of mayonnaise like mixed up, North America and Western Europe, right? So you know, I I had that experience. So for me, it was like oh, I'm totally cool with white spaces. And then I go to like black and Latino spaces and I'm like, oh, this also feels entirely comfortable to me. Cause like, I just had that experience for, for both. But unfortunately I found that like, sometimes even in both spaces, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, too white or I'm acting too white when I'm in uh, like fellow uh, BIPOC spaces or people say, oh, you know, you, you know, you don't sound Latino. It's like, I wasn't aware I was supposed to be a living fucking stereotype. Like what? Yeah, that actually relates. I was in one of FB's streams and I actually got to talking to one of the people in the comments. Um, and they were like, we were having this conversation and I set a point and it was like, we need to talk about like the, the whitewashing of black geeks. And, and I, I I said that point, and I was just like free. I was just listen. I was free, but I was just going for it. You know what I'm saying? But I really do think, as just as someone who I've always been an avid book reader, predominantly Black Latino school. You know the lies that are perpetuated by our community, the lies that are told to us from a very young age, which is why I never place any of the blame on the actual people in the community, right? Because it's just a lie being perpetuated. It's not it's, something it's, that we it's made propaganda up. in a way. It's it's propaganda, right? And it's also not their fault. What I will say is where we need to take responsibility and say that we're not going to do it anymore, but you can't really do that if you're not, if that's not where you are. Because I, I was having a conversation with my teacher the other day and I was like, we we're analyzing the situation in which 
a certain black athlete, like how his chances of getting into the school of his dreams was affected because there was a fight on the court, right? Mm-hmm. And she was talking about all of these things. And I was just like, you know, you don't, like people who, we're thinking about this in a different way. Like when you're just trying to like make money and survive and you're trying to get this scholarship so your family doesn't have to pay all of these exorbitant amount of fees and you, you're just trying to like make sure that there is food on the table and you're honing your craft at the same time and you just to be honest a nigger like you're just niggering around to be honest and not even in like a, like a stereotypical like like you're just existing as a black person i use the word nigger as like a verb and noun like i, I use it as like i'm personally hey, all for hey look again like i got like my version of like the latino extended family is literally like a welcome all immigrants poster there's like asians stereotypical latinos we got like Leban like half lebanese cousins of mine we got like black cousins of mine um i'm actually like one of the lighter of my um siblings my the oldest of my younger sisters is darker than me um so like you know like that's just like different genetics how it pans out right so like some of my dad's kids like me are a bit paler others are a bit darker but uh that 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 idea of, of like using the n-word as a verb and like it's it's been a weird thing for me also growing up where obviously when i was younger and shittier as a teenager i like wanted to be cool and being cool with again like i did actually go for at least high school to a very uh, multicultural school so yeah i learned like some arab slang and swear words i was also basically allowed to say the n-word when they saw my dad and they're like oh wait no you're part jamaican etc okay cool yeah you know what? you could say the n-word but i still didn't because i'm like i eh, don't feel like i'm passing for it right but being in those spaces i like learned how to like uh, effectively communicate as well as understanding how it could be a noun a verb also an adjective um yeah so so like like that for me was just oh okay this is fascinating and then like i'd be hanging out with them and people would say i don't know how you're understanding them and i'm like it's it it's it's language like you just grow up around it and you this is exactly it. why i'm like AAVE is literally a dialect of english and i will not it has rules <laughs> That this literally has a grammatical structure. Yeah, that sounds really stupid when you try to copy it. Like there's yes. a literal to the sentence. No, because there's actually so many white people being like, "Oh my gosh, girl, honey boo per slay," and I'm just like, "No, <laughs> um, actually, that's not. That's actually not how you." And even in just like normal sentences, like, "Oh, he was act, he was acting fool, Lou. Like, like he was acting fool, and you like you trying to say, "Oh, he was acting, a, he was acting a fool, right?" But then they just like. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it's like the slight twist and even when they almost get it right it's like you didn't get it right and i'm just like rem- when will you just stop i remember right? someone said oh he's acting ratchet and i'm like yeah who, right who like, said it? <laughs> it, it it was a white lady <laughs> yeah i know right your, your face is a whole <laughs> ass mood <laughs> every day i just i just you know i already exist in like predominantly white spaces. So I'm not really surprised. It's just more of like a, like, like even you have to understand how like annoying you're coming off right now. And not even in terms of just like my feelings, but just like you listening to yourself. Like, are you hearing your, are you hearing, this is the Nigerian thing. Are you, are you hearing yourself when you're saying the things that you're saying? Like in the way that you sound and how you don't sound like the actual people that talk like that. Because yeah. I'll have you know I'm code switching right now, right? I don't actually like I don't really talk like this in real life, right? Like so if I'm talking to somebody, I talk like this throughout the day, but it's something like a whole to my friends. It's real like I grew up with 
black people from Georgia um, at my predominantly white school in like Indiana, right? So I have a Southern accent when I'm not talking like this, right? Okay. And a lot of people are really surprised <laughs> when they hear that. And I'm just like, yeah, code switching is a real thing. I actually changed my voice. Um, and it's not, obviously at this point, it's not conscious because I've been doing it since I've been so young. And also the only reason that I'm getting a lot of the opportunities right now is because I can do this. I have so many friends that can't do this. And the only reason I can do this so well is because I read books and I continue to read books and I like reading books. But what about the niggas that don't like reading books? No, and 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 that's like I, I'm not even sure where that comes from, right? Like like is that just the the absolute crippling of the public education system in America? Is it like something in the community of like, no, no, like you shouldn't read books. You should be doing something like, you know, it's an aspect of toxic masculinity or something like uh, I, I'm not even sure what to possibly pin it on. And I'd love to hear like your, like your opinions and perspectives having grown up like within a part of the community and part of the country. Um, that toxic masculinity part, not sure about that, but in terms of the oh, this is something that is stigmatized in our community because white people have told us that it's stereotypical for black people to not be smart, to not use $10 words, you know, to not know what they're talking about when it comes to certain theoretical concept, concepts, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. And also the mix of the, I will want to say, because of course the public education system needs work, especially in the history department. But what I will say is that the teachers at my school, even though we were a very low income school, very low ranked, they worked their asses off to make sure that we learned and that we actually understood what we were learning and that's what i one thing that i can say i truly appreciate about the school that i went to is that the teachers there always made sure that i understood that's something that i don't really get at the institution that i'm at right now sometimes right because you're older you're in a class of more people and it's just they don't care it's not the same, but when you have a group of teachers that are like know the system, this is like also the impact of just knowing the system that you live in and actually acknowledging reality, just acknowledging the fact that, oh, we have a school system that doesn't actually teach children what they need to know, right? And then filling in the gaps. We have a system that doesn't teach children how to manage their emotions. There's a timeout, timeout corner. We used to call it if the you're cool lucky, down corner. Yeah. Go sit in the really comfy chair take their deep breaths there's a little meditation poster on the wall like there's no there's nothing like that in my white institution right there's no there's nothing like because those resources were already available no molestar mi teléfono está en español estaba muy emocionado cuando dijiste todo lo que dijiste i was like oh my gosh but yeah the reason that i can speak spanish is literally because there's so many Latino people that went to my middle school. And then, because I did that in middle school, when I got to high school, I went super hard in the paint, like, like learning languages. And now I can speak Spanish and Portuguese. And no, you're giving Creole. away you're giving away your video about like, how many languages do I speak? No, you got to keep that a secret for more viewers. Come on now. That's a rookie move, Victory. Come on now. Oh my gosh. Wait, what am I supposed to do with it? Am I supposed to like give it to you in like, in like little bites? Not yeah, like, yeah so, so, surprise us. Pe- pepper it in there. Um, yeah, my 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 journey with Spanish is actually kind of weird. Um, for me, like growing up, um, my dad and my mom split when I was basically an infant. Um, but you know, she still wanted to be sure that I had my father in my life that got along. It was just, like 
still a good like working relationship right because of that and like the i the initial idea of them was she would speak to me in english and also like what little french she knew because she's part french canadian and my dad would speak to me in spanish so the hope is that i would grow up with like at least those two languages and then i'd go to school and also learn french because well this is canada and um and i'm in the part of canada where it kind of makes sense to to learn and speak some french so you know the Spanish never fully took, like, in terms of being able to speak it in kind, but I could understand it, right? So, so like, when, when my dad or my grandma would get frustrated and start ranting in, in Spanish, I would understand, like, maybe about 60% of it to get, like, the gist of what they're saying, but I could only respond in English. of like, okay, sorry, no, I won't do that again. Or, oh, yeah, here. And, like, you know, grabbing, like, whatever ingredient or, like, the knives or, oh, okay, I'll set the table kind of thing, like... It was that kind of, of stuff. And then I actually went to um, Middle French Immersion School. So then I learned French. And so then that was in there when I was pretty young because Middle French Immersion is like grades four, five, six, and, and up. Um, I didn't actually learn full Spanish until I actually went overseas to teach in Spain because uh, I was oh, very lucky really? yeah, to get an opportunity um, to do that because uh, it was like, oh, okay. Like I could I could start. Wait. Yeah. Pause, pause. Does that mean you have the Spain accent? Do you use vosotros, please, or do you use that? <laughs> I basically haven't used vosotros since coming back. And also, oh, like, <laughs> no, hey, no, hang on. And um, I I also still find it odd because, like, obviously when I come back, I, like, sp that there's basically a kind of code switching, right? Like, when I was over in Spain, I knew, like, okay, it's, it's, um, like especially how like the Z's and THs are almost lispy, so it's not Barcelona, it's Barcelona, Barcelona. and Zaragoza and <laughs> instead of Zaragoza, mm -hmm. and and so like you know and and it's Azúcar instead of Azúcar, and so like coming back to I, I know I know, but I'm just saying then like you know coming back to speak with my dad, it's definitely like I pronounce the Z's and the C's, like the way I grew up hearing them, which is the way my dad and my grandma speak, right? So, but but like, like in a way that means there's like two different versions of Spanish in my head. It's definitely weird. Yeah, it was also weird for me when I had to learn about, because I specifically learned Dominican Spanish and just learning about the hierarchy, like white, just the whiteness and <laughs> just even in another land. I was like, oh my gosh, this is tiring. Like the, <laughs> the Dominican Spanish, like the hierarchy of Spanish, and just having like Spain Spanish taught in classrooms when I speak Dominican Spanish, my teacher asking me, "Cuál es una vaina?" When when oh, I literally said, "Oh, that hurt! That hurt!" And I was like, "Oh God, that legit!" He was like, "That's not a real word. That doesn't like mean what you think it means." And I was like, "Por qué no sabes una palabra? No quiere decir que no es una pinche palabra, pendeja." But you know, I can't. You know, that's not something you could say to a Spanish teacher. So I was just like, "Well, first of all," and now I find myself. I'm not even Dominican. I'm 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 defending dominican and like island spanish all of a sudden and i'm just like okay first of all how do we get here and second of all why is this a thing that i even have to do why can't we just acknowledge the fact that there are different accents and you're teaching us a spain accent when literally no one speaks a spain accent except people from spain it doesn't make any sense well, yeah and, and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because like people just think like oh spanish and it's all the same right but it's it's not like when i when i first went to cuba and heard cuban spanish when I was growing up with like you know like like North Andean Spanish basically because like my dad's family is from like Ecuador Colombia Venezuela like that whole range of like the northern part of uh, South America 
and so you know that's that's kind of my bread and butter in terms of spanish that's the best kind i understand which is why when i was watching narcos i basically never had to read the subtitles i'm like no i completely understand this um but then when i but then when i hear like other versions like mexican spanish is more difficult because they have a, a way more indigenous loan words when i went to cuba i was like what do you mean you pronounce the double L as J, Vija? I'm like, that's Vija. Like, what? That, like, stuff like that was just like messing with me. And then I went to Spain and the th, I was like, what is going on? Like, how does this one language, like, you go like everywhere and it's suddenly different? Like, it sounds different in Argentina. It sounds different in uh, Mexico. It sounds different in Cuba. Uh, the Dominican Republic sounds different in Equatorial Guinea. It sounds different in like various corners of Spain. Like, Sure, it's one language, but it's the way there's like British English and American English and Australian English. Like, people still don't realize that there's that kind of breadth of diversity in the language and how it's in terms of like loan words and also pronounced and various other cultural and linguistic influences on it. So, I'm glad and you brought I, that that's up. The Thank reason, you. <laughs> that's the reason I had to learn Dominican Spanish because Spain Spanish wasn't giving. I, I use Mexican slang sometimes, but you know, Dominican Spanish, when I hear it, it reminded me of home. And then I recently realized that a lot of the slaves that were brought over during the transatlantic slave trade from Nigeria actually went to the Dominican Republic. So I was like, huh, what are my cousins over there? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's why it sounds so good. I, 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 I mean, yeah, like that's part of why you know on on you know the Jamaican like the Jamaican side of of the family, it's like, huh, gee, I wonder how my black ancestors ended up on this tiny island deep in the Caribbean. Hmm. <laughs> what a mystery. Never could figure it out. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Hmm. It's, like you said, I, I don't I don't think we'll ever figure out the reason behind that one. Like, like I said, we're having good fun, good vibes. <laughs> On the subject of like our cultural backgrounds and like cultural affinities, I'm not sure like how how you fully feel. I know you mentioned it a bit in like at least two of your videos, I think. Um, but for me, and I think I said at the start, I still definitely identify as both Canadian and Latina. So there's things about like my Latino culture that I love. So like the language, the music, the Catholicism, not so much. Um, but like you know, the 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 food is also a very important aspect of it for me like i would literally die if i couldn't have fried plantain and ceviche at least a few times a year literally so, oh my gosh oh, see this is what i'm talking about when you talk about the ancestors like literally i just had some plantain like you literally yesterday my mom fried oh. some plantain we made some stew mm. hey into the interconnectedness of it all but in terms of like my like how i identify culturally it's i did go over it in the video like you said it was more i personally feel as though just identifying as black is more conducive just to black liberation specifically because we cannot i went over this in the video but we cannot be doing this whole we're reinforcing stereotypes that literal european colonizers have given to us so now we're infighting when the actual goal is to like work with white people that actually you know have sense and like actually like you know <laughs> like continue with well, the philosophy also, of the, the struggle is still collective, right? Right. Precisely. Like, We're affected by the exact same system. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So personally, I identify as just Black first, not to, like, degrade my Nigerian-American culture, because I absolutely, that is absolutely a large part of me. It's absolutely something I bring in damn near every conversation. But what I will say is, all of y'all people, 
it reminds me of the saying where it's like, I, I, I know Raka Dominican. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not actually familiar with that, I don't think. Yeah, Dominican people have the same way. It's literally what I just said. Like, I know Raka Dominican. I'm just like, because you're, you're running away from what it means to be black, right? Even though you can't run away from it because, you know, you literally look black. Yeah. yeah. It's just that internalized anti blackness that I really just need us to like let go of so we can actually like become a collective and realize, hey, like, our sons and daughters are also getting shot. Like, oh my gosh! Like, we're all get, we're all getting killed. We're all having like restricted access to certain resources. Like, it's just like I need I need us to get us together. Get, so I'm black. Getting uh, getting like fascists passing bills in the Indiana Senate. You know all that good stuff. I'm so tired of that. Oh, let me not cuss too much on this channel but this, i give you I permission so... it's fine like you're literally on the okay. bothered boy channel so... i cuss you all the time like you you have my permission i'm so tired of this fucking bill you don't understand like as soon as the house passed that we were like repeal and every single person i knew was like repeal repeal uh, it didn't make any sense how these bills are passing and i was like there has to be something else going on because literally no one even like i let me not say that but i worked at a specific place and you know these are people that like literally lobby for them and they're just like this doesn't make this doesn't make any sense it's like why is it passing I'm just like, sorry, sorry. I I'm just, just real quick. I'm just going to introduce uh, context for those who are listening in or watching this video when it goes up. Um, the, the bill we're talking about is SB, I think, 21. Yeah. Yeah. So it's SB 21, which is basically a supremely fascist bill in the Indiana legislature that would uh, potentially allow for librarians to be jailed for disseminating like unapproved books. Like you heard me right. It would jail librarians. It forces an un tenable amount of work onto teachers in the state by trying to make it so that lesson plans have to be prepared in advance and held in the office for parental review i made a whole video on it i'll probably provide a link in the description down below but yeah it's a absolute goddamn mess it is impossible it is unworkable teachers are already overworked they're paid enough for this bullshit this bill like victory is saying is it's exhausting and it needs to die and even then, like, like I already gave you, like, like I said, my goal is to always center experience. Like I already gave you the experience of just literally how, like these teachers are low-key parenting children and you're asking them to do, you're asking them to kill themselves working so that you can see a lesson plan in advance and then make them redo the whole thing because that is the point. You know, like, I'm just like, it's just so deeply infuriating. And I'm just, like you said, that whole like, oh, so you like three minutes late, some random white bitch in suburbia is calling the police. I'm just like, yeah, just calm down. It's, 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 like, it's, it's infuriating and also just exhausting, right? It's like, why? Why? <sighs> yeah, but just, at the end of exhale. the day, you know, there's only so much that I can control. What I will say is, we need to come together and we already have been, there have been tons of protests, literally just people rallying on social media, you know, leveraging followings. It, it's just, it's not something that should be happening. It doesn't make any sense. And while we're here, oh, do I even want to discuss this? That's a lot. Mm. No, I'm not trying to be too, no, no, no. I'm not trying to be too controversial. No, we, we, got, we got time. Listen. And, and, and if I need to, I can cut it out later. I... 
I am not someone who is empowered with the range to completely discuss critical race theory in its entirety. I'm going to I mean, throw that out yeah, there that's first. that's a lot. All I have researched, I watched Khadija Mbo's video about it, deeply, deeply researched. I watched it multiple times. I've read the sources. Um, what I will say, there are some aspects of it that I do agree with. My problem, why is it that people are looking at the actual program itself right now with no sort of changes, raw, only the 1619 project is put it together, when lesson plans are developed for years before they are given to students? Why are you not focusing on the development of something that could potentially cause less casual harm between literal children? The little things that people that look like me have to go through on a daily basis, those little racial annoyances that could literally just be solved by teaching more history. Why is that what you're fighting against? And instead, not fighting against, oh, I don't know, like, the exact same people that you are being like I, I it's just there's a specific like thing where people don't want this to be a thing just because it's about race and i'm just like instead of that why don't you put more effort and time into making it something that is research something that is nuanced something for example there was an example that was given to me where a white tea like second grade teacher told this little white girl like oh you're bad because you're white and and I'm just like, this is, people were using that as an argument against critical race theory. And I was like, that's literally the point. Like, that's why critical race theory needs to be a school. So teachers don't be dumb shit like that with fucking children. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're trying to separate whiteness from white people, but you don't even understand the concept of whiteness. Then that's something that needs to be taught, which is why I'm saying, how about we spend more time developing critical race theory into something that can actually be taught in schools that is actually nuanced and that actually reduces casual harm between students instead of spending all of this time protesting against something that you don't even fully understand like not even partially understand and yeah, like, like there that was that video cool. of that dude in virginia who's like i'm here protesting against critical race theory and the interviewer says so wh what is critical what race is theory critical and the dude's race. like well i don't know like <laughs> The, all of the people holding up these signs like we don't want critical race theory and I'm just like but do you know what you don't want though do you actually know what you're protesting against and it's just little little things like that I don't feel I don't do the whole like left and right thing in this country because they both uphold white supremacy but what I will say is like in terms of just like the propaganda come on now like like we're not gonna act like both sides are doing this at the same we're not I, I, that's in terms of me removing myself and just looking at this from, from like, <laughs> from a, like, a, a, like a, a mile away. Like I, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, again, likewise, I don't have the full capacity to talk about um, critical race theory and I'm not here to try and say like, yeah, I suddenly have all the answers. But when you point out like the idea of, of whiteness is, yeah, that's something that um, should be talked about. And, probably by the time this goes up uh, the episode with Kamazos will be up and we actually talk about like the nature of whiteness and how it's actually just really silly because there is no white landia and that's why there's a separation between like what's uh, like you know the the right-wing talking point of well why is black pride okay but white pride is not it's like because they come from two fundamental different starting points black people don't tend to know where their heritage came from but most white people can tell you within like four or five generations ago yeah my ancestors came here from norway germany croatia poland ireland england scotland etc which is why no one has issues with 
with, oh yeah, Scottish Heritage Month. You can be, you know, you, we're having a Polish Pride Day. Look at all the Polish people celebrating their history and their heritage and their culture. Lederhosen and Oktoberfest. That's fine because it's celebrating specific cultures, not the idea of whiteness. Of whiteness. And that is why we separate European culture from whiteness once again because that's a great way to come at it but my my way to come at it the way that i think about it is black people when we have a black celebration a black parade celebrating blackness we are celebrating overcoming decades of oppression decades of people pushing us out of spaces and literally setting us on fire hanging us from trees you know just take plucking us from our continent right and like still being here because i don't think a lot of people think we're so divorced from things like Jim Crow and, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm so tired of talking about slavery. Okay, let's talk about Jim Crow because that happened less than 100 years ago. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's just Black people are celebrating still being here. What are white people celebrating? My question is, like, in terms of just whiteness, when you look at your history, and this is why I just love being a historian, like, love, like, talking about being a historian. Like, when you look at your history, please tell me what you were celebrating. And it, it, it better not be European culture that I hear come out of your mouth. I want to hear the actual white, like actual whiteness. Like, are you celebrating like the lynchings of black people? Are you celebrating oppression? Are you celebrating the systems that were constructed and continue to oppress the people that are living in this country today that are not white or cis? Why are you trying to take down the greatness that is America? <laughs> I'm not, I hope my not, I hope my voice was dripping enough with sarcasm there. And my thing is that argument comes up so much, and I'm just like, first of all, the argument that is utilized along with that argument is like, oh, there are people fighting to get in here, and I'm just like, America stole so many countries' resources. Why would you be surprised that people from those exact same countries are trying to come to America to be able to experience their resources, and also that whole thing that you were just talking about, I'm not the greatness of America because I I was a lot more anti before, but there was certain perspectives from certain black people about how they built up this country, how they've worked so hard to survive in this country, how they worked so hard to persevere, to be able to be in this country and how they deserve a right to call this country what it is and still care for it and still actually have deep, raw, emotional feelings about it when someone's attacking it. And I completely understand that. My problem is the thing that is so great about America is if I had to be honest with you, it's, it's the culture of the people of color. Because when you come, when you come here and just also European people, the, all, of the, all of the like melting pots of cultures, what America actually said that it was going to be, right that's what's actually great about america but then you have white supremacy <laughs> and yeah it, it, it ruins the whole pot and it's not even just it ruining the whole pot it's people's refusal to acknowledge it's the refusal like oh my country is so great and just refusal to acknowledge that at all and my thing is you don't have to lack nuance in that your your argument can still be respected if you acknowledge the fact that there is a system that is giving you an advantage, there is a system that oppresses other people and we have to go through that on a daily basis. It doesn't make your love of America any less weak. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you don't like the country that you're in. 
it means that you care about your country enough to critique it. And that's the problem that I have. Like people think that certain topics are the things that you should be critiquing and refuse to acknowledge how they're interconnected with other things such as race, such as sexuality, such as gender. And it's just deeply infuriating. Why? Why have, why have such a weak and like disprovable argument? By so because many for people. some people, that's all they have because they haven't looked at anything through a critical lens. They haven't been taught any different because their like history books are full of like white supremacy or just historic and cultural erasure. Like a lot of Canadians here, with like with our terrible history of the residential schools, you still find Canadians who are, who like don't fully believe that that happened, or at worst, some people who are just completely ignorant of the things that happened in our past. Like th- this is an unfortunate reality for some people in corners of the country and so it leads to just these culture wars because people don't like hearing bad things about the country that they have been programmed since birth to like and uphold as like the pinnacle of human and modern achievement and so anyone against that is therefore like an outside enemy actor i'm really glad you mentioned that point about patriotism because it's jingoism. Well, it's not patriotism. It's, it's, it's jingoism. It's nationalism. But like you know, there's there's an element to like whether you want to call it patriotism or like like actually caring enough about things is like the, the first the first step in solving a problem is recognizing that there is one, which means you have to critique what's happening, right? So you know, like Canadian patriots, American patriots, British patriots, instead of just being like, you must defend the country, it's like, no, you know what? These people have a point. These are actually some like really systemic problems. Well, how did they come about? How do we fix them? That's my problem with people who are um, pro-life um, in the way that in this country that they discuss. And I personally, I'm not, I'm not putting my mouth in people who have vaginas business. What I will say is if you actually care about the life, why is it <laughs> that social welfare in this country is so deeply stigmatized? So you want the, you. the person to have the child, but you don't want them to have the resources to care for the child because you don't actually care. Like you say you care, but what? And it's just like people repeat these same points that I'm talking, right? But like seeing it play out in real life you know, just having the experience of someone who has actually seen the way that just the social safety net that we literally pay for with our own tax dollars is just routinely denied to us or just routinely reduced to the point where it's not enough to help at all. It's just, it's so disconcerting to just see people repeat the same points over again also, because this is like a both sides issue that I have. It's like you're repeating the same points. This is why I center emotional experience, right? Because once, after all this, like, talking, these talking points, like, what is actually left? And it is the actual experiences of these people. And I feel like when we get too caught up in, like, quick arguments, like I said before, we lose that. And we lose so much of it that we stop, like, actually digging for more truth beneath the talking points that we're talking about. And that's ultimately my goal is to dig for truth, right? I'm not really into, like, being correct and all that other shit because I truly don't care about that what I more care about is like providing aid and support and I feel as though that's where people that are pro-life miss the mark because I'm not attacking pro-life people I'm just genuinely asking you so if you care about these people and you say that you care about these people why can't, why is it so impossible for you to put aside a talking point to actually look these people in the face and provide them the support that they need 
because that talking point is what you're, is that's where your politic is. That's where your care is. Your care is not with the actual people. And I find that when you bring that up in that way that I just brought to you, because I actually had this conversation with a lot of people that would consider them pro-life, right? And I'm not for the whole going back and forth argument. I'm really just for like the understanding. Because do you really understand what you're doing when you say stuff like that? Because like when you have something like a pro-life or a pro-choice, it gets connected to all of these things, even if you're not talking about them. It's the same way feminism became connected to angry, hairy women that can't find a man. And all that other stuff to take care of them or whatever, what literally what the fuck ever. It's just like, what is underneath all of the things that you're talking about? And are you actually caring about it or are you just talking like you care about it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if that's something that you've been told to do by someone who you admire and respect and see as a leader or an influence in some capacity. Right. So mm-hmm. um, to, to like st- still touch on it and like the pro-life point is um, I find that it's a very narrow focused view right it's just about being really pro birth right like they really focus on the fetus and abortion bad but like you said it's not about the social programs like you know the same people who are saying oh no you need to bring that child to term are the same ones who will say well you know you shouldn't have brought that child into this world if you couldn't pay for its school lunch debt welcome to america and it's like do you not see how that's connected and how that should be something that should be addressed and and unfortunately, I, like yeah, I see you just being like, oh god. But yeah. and because because it it hits different when you actually see and experience these things, and that's what I really need people to understand. For example, I did a video with I just finished doing a video about swearing, right? I quoted Steven Pinker in his research, right? He's a super Harvard professor or whatever. He's tenured, and he has these conversations about things that he's never experienced. And I understand wanting to question talking points for example, over-policing and abolishing the police. And he does question them. But my thing is when people with more experience with these things come in and actually start sharing their visceral experiences with you under a macro lens and through an experiential lens, and it's just so clear that you're incorrect. Why is it that it is so difficult for you to change your opinion? It's, that's really my, that's my thing. Like it's the opinion, like you don't have to be right. What I find is so many people are just trying to be right. And that's what they actually care about. Yeah, I keep going back to that point. But it's just like, your politic is your politic. Is your politic points or is your politic people? Is it, what is the, <laughs> what is so, what you talking about? That's why I also have this problem with people like calling themselves, oh, I'm a liberal or I'm a leftist or I'm this and I'm that. Like, and also the gatekeeping that comes along with all of those terms like, oh, if you don't do all the Marxist-Leninist readings, then you're not a leftist. Or, oh, if you don't dress or act in this specific way when certain topics arise, you're not a liberal. I'm just like, do you actually care about the topics that you're talking about? Or do you just care about the presentation of this group that you have formed? And or being it could also just be a comfort thing. It's about, you know, finding, you know, in groups, out groups and being then comfortable within them. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because... I find, and again, this is just explicitly my opinion as a Canadian outside observer, and I recognize it's also a problem up here and in many other places, but it really feels like politics in America is just another kind of spectator sport 
with two teams and it's about a tally about who's winning or who wins the game and the game is literally every two years and so it's about like who who's who's got the ball in whose court what's happening and it's why you know the right wing is like you know ben shapiro destroys teenager who didn't know anything because he had no prep time or um oh look ben shapiro embarrassed by a kid like it's 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 all just these little points and tallies of you know hey um like like if, if if I and I know I've already mentioned like a few of my my videos, but I did one actually technically two about the AOC Met Gala dress discourse, right? And it's not that people criticizing her weren't wrong, right? Like I I don't disagree with that. I also don't necessarily disagree with AOC like taking the time to just say you know oh tax the rich, bring that up so that people talk about it and put it back in people's minds. That's also not an entirely terrible thing. However, what was happening outside of the Met Gala were very real protesters protesting for very real problems that were getting none of the coverage and instead people were just trying to score online political points of oh haha look at me i'm a superior progressive or leftist or marxist or whatever because i'm dunking on my fellow uh, leftists or like other liberals or whoever for you know huh aoc is actually terrible Instead of saying, hey, you know, instead of focusing on the AOC dress, let's actually talk about these protesters and find ways to help them. Hey, AOC, based on like this ticket price or whatever, or if you do a little fundraiser, can you donate to whatever it is, the bail fund for the protesters who are being arrested and brutalized by the cops outside? It was a opportunity for the left to actually show some goddamn solidarity, and we fucking failed. <laughs> and I mentioned that before, and that's just like one of those things that to me just stood out as like, why are we complaining about AOC's Met Gala dress when we have an actual opportunity to, you know, kind of hit two birds with one stone? You can talk about that while also talking about the people being arrested outside the Met Gala. Like, you can do both things and not be a pretentious jackass. And I do think that it's worth it to mention that I just know that there was a person of color that was actually doing that. Like, I'm 100% sure. <laughs> Um, that was actually doing like the shit that you you know someone with that quote unquote politicker that follows those ideologies would actually do in that situation, but they were completely overshadowed and overrun by the people that were more focused on saying that they are critical, while also missing the like critical thinking <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, like, like they, oh, they, they missed the bigger picture and the actual, right. like, thing that they should have focused on, right? I'm critical of my own party, therefore I am more intelligent. Which, of course, be critical of your own party. That's just a given. But, <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. It's just so tone deaf. And I almost brought that. Let me not talk about that. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. But, you know, just, it's just tone deaf. I really need people to, like, that's also the reason why critical race theory needs to be taught in schools because it's not just about race. You'll find that when you start talking about race, things like class must be brought in, things like gender must be brought in, things like patriarchy must be brought in. That's literally yeah, it's 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 all interconnected, right? Like, and 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 I recognize that while there are elements of my life, especially in the past, where you know I've been disadvantaged because of my race or like how people perceived me, like hell, I was literally like verbally and physically assaulted um for a while after 9 11 because people thought i was arab even though i wasn't so that for yeah that for me was doubly fucked i'm like so one i'm not arab but even if i were still fucking inexcusable like what the actual shit is going on here so, so that for me was like oh you know what no solid era with like the arab and muslim kids getting shit on for stuff that they didn't do like th this whole thing is stupid right but 
that was you know one of those like violent like racial realizations when you're young of oh okay so like yeah unfortunately i do have to deal with race which is why then i really hate it when i grow up and people are saying why is everything about race it's like bitch either you or your ancestors made it that way i'm just living in this world like like i literally sorry your ancestors decided to make it a thing we were having this whole conversation and i was like i don't I agree with so many of your talking points. My problem is you use talking points that were used by white supremacists to support these arguments, <laughs> like a lot of the time. And I'm just like, I understand that we do not need to police, like policing people's language is not going to get us anywhere. But there's certain things when you say them on a certain platform in a certain way that have been used by people over the ages it comes off a certain way. And this is why I also believe in centering experience. So you have the experience to help decipher, right? You have, you have the experience to help decipher what is a talking point and what is the person's actual feelings about a subject. Cause I find that a lot of times people get like what someone is saying confused or what they're actually feeling when they say it. A lot of the times people don't have the language to describe how they actually feel. So they use the next best thing. That is a thing that often happens. And that's I'm why- that's why we can't be policing each other's language so fervently like we actually have to wait for nuance or ask for nuance that's what that experiential learning thing i feel like the thing that i'm getting closer and closer to is just like why is every like it's the politicization of everything right Mm -hmm. and how i watched the social dilemma you know how these big corporations are pushing into like we need people on well yes but you know (laughs) like in terms of the algorithm just like oh we need things to be more like it's this side or this side in order for us to have more people striking up conversation commenting posting doing this and doing that and why is everything need to be not not everything needs to be politicized like truly please turn off your phone for like just because i truly because people think i t- i'm making a joke when i did that but even me myself there was a time when i was younger where i was just doing a lot and i just turned off there was a time period where i remember like i broke my phone i had to wait six months to wow. get a new phone and i would listen to the radio listen to music and i would just read and i would think and i was like that's when I felt the most aligned with what I actually feel and was able to articulate it in the most diligent, in the most, like, you understand what I'm saying kind of manner. And I just feel like a lot of the times we see people like, oh, social media detox, that, oh, you know, I'm gonna be off of social media for a while. We stigmatize it like this, nobody gives a fuck. And I'm just like, I mean, I understand that, but you know, how about you take that is like a let me do this for a little bit as much as you can i'm a person that makes content on the internet for money you know living in capitalism is acknowledging the fact that you participate in systems you know i get it but you know just try your best we are all people at the end of the day and we are human beings having emotional experiences and i often find that people that are more emotional like me end up drifting towards the left right just because it's less propaganda but you just acknowledge the fact that wherever you feel as though you align politically just know although the community is great at the end of the day what matters is not your talking points it is what you're actually doing with those talking points i guess that can be boiled down as uh, actions speak louder than words 
yes and i also under and not just that but the nuance of understanding that that shit is tiring right <laughs> so like understandable i, I am so tired these days and that was a wonderful conversation i was listening to on this podcast i believe it was the friends of the podcast where they were just like we believe in revolution right we believe in all of we believe in these things right we believe in freeing ourselves from these oppressive systems but we also acknowledge the fact that we all have roles to play and that the people on this podcast specifically were like my role is not to be in the streets protesting my role is to be on this mic talking about the things that affect me and my community and giving experience and talking to these people that are actually doing the work and giving them platforms that is my job that is my role in this revolution right and if we acknowledge the fact that people have different roles in the revolution it becomes much more easy to make it feel more tangible right it becomes more easy to feel like a thing that is like actually capable of happening because we like this said you don't act a certain way. Oh, you're not going to protest? Are you really even like, are you really even? <laughs> you know, it, it feels almost it's like really a weird protest. form of gatekeeping. Yeah, that's I feel like I mentioned, like, it's just like, as long as you are playing an instrumental role in the deconstruction of oppressive system, which is what I'm doing, because you're not going to catch me in a, like, that's just not my place. I'm not the nigga that's going to be fighting off rubber bullets and, like, pepper spray from cops. Like, I'm just not, that's not. And, and Feek had a wonderful point about this, was, like, <laughs> like, St. Andrewism and, like, the people that are, like, actually, like, the radical people, like, we're just giving them platforms. But when that Hello Fresh check comes, <laughs> I'm taking the Hello Fresh check. Listen, I'm still black and I'm still broke. I need y'all to understand. I'm sorry, but I just love the idea of like a video opening now, just like, you know, revolution. No, you must go out and fight blood for money. And then it's like, this video is sponsored, sponsored by HelloFresh. We live in a capitalistic society. So if you're deconstructing capitalism, you must participate. It's basic reading, but a lot of people never come back to it once they learn it. And I need y'all to comprehend and not just understand, like not just have a surface level understanding. Like comprehension and being able to apply knowledge to different topics goes a long way. I promise you, reading is fundamental. Also, uh, just like on the subject of like knowledge and just teaching and education, you know, you, you can go back to reading something years later and realize something that you hadn't realized before because you've gone out and had different experiences with other people who have either had a similar reading as part of why book clubs are actually really good for this or you've had like other experiences and then you can tie into oh i think actually that's kind of how this applied to this thing that i read in this book like what however many years ago and so you know the 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 knowledge and the understanding should never cease really there's never an end point there's no top of the mountain it's it's almost like a sisyphean mountain that goes up and up and you just kind of learn more and more and you get more more nuance i have read Uh this book every year since like five years ago every single time i have read things fall apart by chino but i have read it (laughs) one year it was about familial structure one year it was about patriarchy one year it was about toxic masculinity more specifically on the emotional mental and and fit like physical level how it manifests itself that's where i'm at right now there were a couple other years where it meant different things where i'm more focusing on the women and perhaps the end of the book and it was just yeah 
just everything you said. I'm gonna go ahead and put a pull a no name card. You know, like no name where she's just like, um, so books. So back to the books and you know, um, stamping out ignorance because when it comes down to it, being this is all just ignorance. Like we need to come back to the knowledge. So when I say this, like this right here, if this is a lot for you, understandable. Um, personally, I have a lot of friends don't like reading books. Audible, and I'm trying to get a partnership with them right now. Um, fingers crossed. Audible, fingers crossed. Just listening to your books, listening with a friend. That was something me and my friend did. It made the experience enjoyable for him. We picked a good book. It was a fun, uh, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. It was a wonderful read. It um, addressed aspects, socioeconomic ex- like oppression. You know, it was lighthearted. It was funny. That's it was good. about a babysitter, a black babysitter, a white person that was girl bossy you know giving very much (laughs) i'm a liberal on saturdays what was that one what's that one term that they used like fiscally conservative but um, yeah fiscally conservative socially liberal yeah it was giving very much that it was a really good read go ahead and listen to that for some more perspective about what um specifically black and people of color, workers who take care of children, who take care of houses, just you know, labor and domestic workers, more of what they go through on a regular basis. Um, also, there's a wonderful yeah, like one. just just give us all the give us all the book recommendations. Like we've already gotten yeah, a few, so I'm like gonna this, make this a video. Another book recommendation hour. I have an entire book series plan. Like the one that I did on my channel is literally it has number one on it. And I'm going to get into, uh, you know, it's going to be Black History Month tomorrow. I'm going to be doing books that make you feel very much black. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how black I'd feel personally. I'm only part black. But, uh... <laughs> right, 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 right. But <laughs> also, on my channel, I love that other people from all different sorts of backgrounds watch my channel. But I must say, I'm setting a boundary. When I'm speaking on my channel, I am speaking to black people. <laughs> like, no, I, like, directly speaking to black people. And it's not because I'm trying to other anyone else. It's because that is who I know. And that is who I understand the experiences of to the most degree. Even Black women, sometimes I need to like have more of a conversation. But like, I'm speaking to Black people. If I talk in AV, you don't understand, Google it. If I don't already add in like a translation, you know, like you just have to give me certain graces in certain areas because it's just not. I, I, I think that's not. understandable and that's fair. <laughs> But yeah, Things Fall Apart by Chima Achebe, wonderful book. I honestly, you just have to read it because books have different meanings to everyone, but especially books like these, like you just have to read the book in order to construct your own meaning of what that book is actually about. Let me hear a rhyme. This is more, this is going to be on the books that make you feel black um, video. It's just more about a centering you in Brooklyn, New York, aspects of black culture, lots of hip hop, um, death, because that's realistic in Black communities, how we respond to it, how we continue to foster hope in our own communities, even when things look so bleak outside. Um, Shimamandango's Yadichia has been under a lot of hot water. Once again, I feel like it's more of that policing language thing. I understand the arguments completely and I agree with a lot of them from trans activists specifically because she had said something where she forgot to differentiate between a woman and a trans woman. She was saying like, a trans woman's perspective is different from a cisgender, which is what she meant to say, woman's perspective. And she, but she just said woman, okay. which made it seem like, you know, so I, I understand. I, I, I see that. Okay. Yeah. But like, you know, she's an incredible author she explores things with a lot of nuance 
Um, I only have half of the yellow sun here because this is the only book of hers that I own own. Half of the yellow sun is incredibly dense with history. And if you're not like a reader that enjoys stuff like that, I recommend Americana by her. It's extremely humorous. It's an okay. easy, more lighthearted read. It's full of scandal, but it also addresses certain things in a more experiential based way, which is personally how I love to talk about things. It's a great book. You should read it. Yeah, and I I'm going to go ahead and put my no name card away. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I always like getting new books to read. Um, I actually, for, for Christmas, it finally came in. I just need to find time to go pick it up. Um, uh, I got uh, a book called How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. Um, oh, that was trying to make me read that book, Chad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not right now. I'm, like, listen, I'm in school. Like, I'm still in school. I'm still doing coursework. I need to have my mind together. It, like, that's, I read that, the- that's fine. I, again, I haven't picked it up yet, but it's like one of those books that I'm trying to learn because I remember recently kind of, I guess, re-diving into the whole imperialism and colonialism like rabbit hole. Um, after I had read some, after I had read some anarchist uh, essays, actually about the history of the Latifundia and the Hacienda system in Latin America, mm. and how that was so bullshit. Like I knew it was bullshit before, but then actually, like finding out just all the nitty gritty ways in which it was terrible, I was like, oh, I I hate this even more now. Pablo Paramo, oh, Pedro Paramo, for, for your viewers, if okay. you want to learn even more about the Hacienda system, this is Pedro Paramo. It is. Um, extremely exploratory of the unknown when it comes to death um it's a wonderful it's an extremely entertaining book because it just takes your imagination in so many different directions and there's not really like a meaning all all of it to the story but what it does go into detail and in, like on excuse me is more of the hacienda system and experiential learning understanding what it was from an emotional perspective that's definitely something that i came out of this book with this is pedro paramo by juan rulfo Okay. So definitely check that out if you like learning more about imperialism and the systems that existed underneath. Yeah, I'm I'm basically going to be adding all these books to uh, my list. But on the subject of um, experiences, and you you've you've come back to that numerous times uh, about how it's about experiences with you and just trying to come through the truth from your experiential lens. And I actually find that refreshing in a lot of ways because. What I find is like, and I know other people have said similar things like online, um, is that a lot of people seem to think that, oh no, I'm, I'm a rational creature and have rational thought when really there is no actual basis for that. Our thoughts of like, you know, being right in many ways just comes from our limited human perspective, which is informed by emotion in a great many respects. So like I and and I know some people may disagree with you and like you know that that's fine we're all living our different lives but um I would love if you would expand a little bit more on that concept for people who might be thinking oh wait what do you mean just like experiences or is that just an emotional thing I I would just love for you to like explain a bit more about that for people who might be curious or are unsure what that means when they think of themselves as like rational actors if you will how I'm going to start that explanation I mostly stay with the predominantly black group of people because I don't have to explain my existence. Um, and how that connects back to answering your question, there are certain things that you only deeply and truly understand when you are of a certain community. It's just, that's just simply how it is. The most that I can do is try to articulate to you what feelings that I'm expressing. And I think I'm, 
I'm getting better every day, but I constantly do that on my channel. My thing is we lose our humanity in arguments, right? So if you don't have like the human experience to actually, and the human themselves, be very clear, to actually help you navigate through those experiences and what they mean to them and not just your perspective on someone else's experience, then you you lose the humanity in your argument. All of us are arguing for the betterment of our human experience at the end of the day. If you ask someone who actually, you know, is slightly rational that has any sort of sense, or even if they want to like do some bullshit and, you know, just have a facade that they put up, right? If you ask them, it's so we can better our human experience. My question is how can you better a human experience when you're not centering the human beings that are experiencing things? That's what I'm, and that's the issue that I have with so many of these debates, you know, Ben Shapiro and all that other stuff. So many of his videos, I was watching Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and you know, she's an intellectual that likes to have conversation that may quote unquote simulate debate, right? So like Ben Shapiro videos were coming all up and down my time. I'm just like, please leave me alone. And it's not even just like, a, I just feel like he's a person and that's digging more into like the toxic masculinity patriarchy. He just strikes me because I did watch some of the videos because I don't like forming opinions about people without like seeing them myself. And it's just more of that, like, I just want to be right. That control freak nature that we have where we lose our humanity in order to be correct. Well, Being it's, right it's is not also a, a finished product, right? Like he and his team of people know what they're doing, what their target audience and what they it's respond like, to. So they're they're yeah. not even doing like the full, you know, well, you know, let's actually have some nuance about whatever this topic is and here's the other side and why it, you know, has some valid points or why do they think they have valid points? Let's evaluate this. It's never that. It's just, you know, this is why the left is bad and blah blah blah. And and he just speaks fast and with like confidence and a lot of people seem to think that that makes them right about stuff that also connects back to the centering of standard white european english and how if you speak like the way yeah. that i'm speaking now more people take you more seriously the smartest people that i have ever met was hood niggas ever met you niggas will never understand like <laughs> and, and and all that that's all that i'm going to say you're never going to understand and the reason why they're so intelligent other than the me telling you that it's the systems that oppress them but there is a different level of intelligence that even me myself like i i was there too right i was also experiencing these things before i moved to a different institution right and it's just like there's a different level of intelligence of people who continuously endure these things not only as an adolescent but as someone who's becoming an adult that most people just will never have which is why you know like even and, and going that ties biblical, back into your point about culture shock right Yes, but also even going biblical, like the whole, like, it's easier for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than to go to heaven. You uh, know, that thing. No, no, oh, no, it was, it was the camel, the, the camel. It's easier. Yes. Yeah, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it yes. is for a rich man to yes. enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is. Bro, don't call on me for Bible quotes. All I'm going to say is Catholic guilt, baby. <laughs> Right, I'm not even Catholic, but you know, <laughs> we, right. we 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 knew the gist of the thing. Yeah, yeah. We got okay. You understood the point. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Just see, going back, see, and it's not the, compre the comprehension people. was there, so it's all good. Yes, thank you, thank you. Not policing language, but like it's not because the rich people are necessarily bad people, even though in the society when people give people information they choose to ignore it. What else can you call them? It's more of a, there's a different level of understanding that people who have to like undertake and bear things 
on a daily basis, when you're trying to survive, there's a different level of intelligence that you have. And that's the only way that I can articulate that in words. Because I've been trying to get that concept across in a way that like made sense in English for a long time. And I feel like I finally done it just a little bit. But yeah, that's just, you're not going to understand. And that's why I say you need to center human beings in your discussions and actual people, right? Because we can discuss theory, right? Theory is super important as well. But if we can't connect our theory back to like real life examples that connect deeply to our theory, then what is the point of the theory? Yeah, moving the left and right along, going back to what you said. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, and and actually when you're saying about, you know, um, like a a different kind of intelligence as it were, I definitely get that with, um, for example, my dad, where, you know, in, in many ways, people would unfortunately think that he's dumb because he still speaks with like this very thick Latin American accent, which again, does not negate intelligence, by the way, just putting that fucking out there. But when you actually talk to him about stuff of like, you know, Hey, how do I grow this or do this thing? Or, you know, talk to the cops or get out of this slightly shady, sketchy situation. Dude becomes like Einstein and tells you exactly like how it all works and breaks it down. And I've been so impressed with that in the past, how he can like, break that all down and also like the skills um at his work and like what to do and like you know he teaches you and you pick up some of that stuff and so you know in 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 terms of like the white idea of intelligence my father is not you know a tenured professor with you know the argyle uh sweater vest teaching a bunch of kids in the lecture hall but in terms of like street smarts and life smarts they wouldn't hold a candle to him and so, like, that's a completely different thing, and it's, like, it's one of the th- many things that I admire about my father that I know goes unappreciated in, like, society as a whole. So when you mention that, like, it literally, like, triggered some of these memories, just like, oh, yeah, shit, like, that that's definitely a thing, based on, again, my own lived experiences. Right. And I'm, I was talking about my lived experiences, which is why I center experiential learning. It's so much easier to connect, so much easier. And that, what you just said, it makes me think of the choices that people of color have to make in this country. Like, like you can be your dad knowing all of this stuff about police brutality, but when you are in a workplace that's predominantly white, where you know people are not going to agree with you, if someone asks you about police brutality, you simply have to give a cursory opinion and move on. It's the, that, that, that choice. <laughs> accurate yeah that's some that's that's really weird i recently like was experiencing something like that like in real life but i was just like this is really weird online me is like you know hey fuck face fuck off with the stupid right-wing stuff me in real life is like well you know that's a complicated issue and i'm not really equipped to handle that right now meanwhile the like internal me is screaming to be like oh just please let me out it's the same with me. Too. I really like, <laughs> you, I, I feel like there's been a time, there's been times in the past where I've made the mistake of like doing that. And then they just like look at me differently. Because, mm. you know, I have a pretty exuberant personality, you know, I could put, it's not even me putting on a show. I genuinely act like this, right? So <laughs> like, it's like. Thank you for I, being like, yourself on the program not, where we're supposed to be, you know, people having conversations. <laughs> right like if i chose to just not engage like you would never know like you truly would never know 
anything that was going on in my head. And part of that is like having a Nigerian upbringing because like being able to control your emotions, uh, how much of that is toxic masculinity and patriarchy, the world may never know. But you know, just being able to control your emotions is such a large part. And that's like a large part of a lot of African children's upbringings, like, which is why, like there was a lot of discussion between wealth disparities. One reason that I might posit, I'm not an expert on anything, is just, it's the same thing in black communities a lot of the time, right? But it, it, in African, it's just a little, it's it's like the same thing, but a different version, it's just a little bit like, it affects in different ways. Like it hits in different ways that might hit harder for certain it's a people. It's sub-genre. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, really, really intrinsic and intrusive <laughs> like really intrusive hey so, I, I, I can yeah. speak to a similar thing in a lot of latino communities there's like that whole aspect of machismo and like oh yeah i was literally just studying machismo yeah literally. so so like you know there's there's that whole aspect um and like i've i not that i've ever really shared it outside of poetry circles but i actually wrote like in my opinion a pretty fire poem which is about being latino and the experience they're in um, and a lot of the inherent contradictions, right? And so, in, like, not to, you know, read poetry and be pretentious here for a second, but kind of the gist of it was, you know, there are times where I see and hear, like, from family members or seeing from other families that I've uh, been to or heard experiences, sharing about our experiences online, um, there's seems to be a fairly, like, universal experience in a lot of Latino families, or, well, I, sh I, sh I shouldn't say Latino, but, like, Latin American or Latinx um, families, we have a problem with the malcriada of, you know, a girl who's just always uppity and, you know, standing up for herself. And like, why can't you just be a perfect little me, 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 princesa? It's like, <laughs> no, like, um, she has every right to be mad, especially when there's, you know, men or elders abusing her or. And this is why solidarity is so important because my first thing was Solange. Why you always gotta be so mad? I got a lot to be mad about. I got so much to be mad about. Girl, give that. The next time they say some bullshit like that, just play this Solange song for and be like, listen to the lyrics. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I, I may just have to do that. Um, but like yeah. you know, that, that, that's again one of those things, right? And how, and 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 the a lo another contradiction that is not lost on me, right? And I know I've brought this up with my family, and kind of like it didn't lead to a fight but it definitely led to like an awkward moment of of just like i should automatically be be proud of the history i'm like well no like sure there's things i like and enjoy and like i i keep that inside but like i'm not automatically like from these places because i was born and raised in a completely different right. area and also like i recognize the contradiction of how like on, on the one hand right we're still proud of having our indigenous roots like you know like great grandma was like village um shaman and like that's that's cool at the same time then why are we all still being like super catholic and speaking spanish which are imperialist impositions like if we're trying to be true to ourselves and our ancestors then where's more of the blackness and the indigenous latin american element of that when we're instead like going ham on the language and the religion of the people who colonized us right like i'm not gonna that, that, say singular word about what i was gonna say i'm not doing that today that is a topic for a different day what i will say is kimberly nicole foster has a wonderful video if you are a black christian which i know a lot of my audience is, like is i, I i'm um, already wonderful. wanting to read that even though i'm not christian myself but like I, I yeah kimberly nicole it's not a book it's a video on youtube actually kimberly nicole foster has a wonderful video okay. with some other femme activists where they discuss 
like creating and not even creating, but forging a Christianity that isn't anti-Black because a lot of the problems that a lot of people have with Christianity are just a result of evangelical Christianity. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Continue back to the time. No, I was, I was basically about to wrap up of just how like, you know, the, that was kind of an awkward moment when I'm pointing out, you know, hey, yeah, there's things I like and appreciate. And it's definitely a part of my identity just growing up and being exposed to that. So that's a part of my lived experience. And in many ways, it's fun and enjoyable. Um, it allows me to connect more with various members of my family. So, OK, like there's some positives to it. But at the same time, I can't ignore the elephant in the room of like, hey, why are we a, you know, mixed black and indigenous family going so ham for the language and religion of the people who colonized half of our ancestors and then enslaved the other half right and so that was where like there was a little bit of awkwardness at the dinner table Khadija yeah. Mbo does something where she like says like a racialized white person and a racialized black person and I feel like that helps us center the fact that at the end of the day we're all just human beings going through experiences and wanting the best for everyone around us let's keep on going back to that Let's keep on centering humanity in these conversations that we are having. Although it could be argued that something is leftist or that something is right wing, let's first look at the actual material. You know what I'm saying? Oh, aside from all of the talking points, you know what I'm saying? No, not the precious talking points. No. (laughs) Let's see whether or not what we're talking about is actually helping the people that we want and need it to help. Right? Let's, Let's do more of that, please. I, I I agree. And, and in a way, that's part of why I wanted to, to start this, right, is, is I wanted this to be, A, something more fun, so it's not just like doom and gloom on my channel. Yes, um, and I hate doom and gloom. That's why I'm so funny, y'all. I'm an internet humorist. I'll be out here trying to make y'all laugh on yep. purpose, I'm telling you. There you go. Because black people have historically had to laugh to keep from crying, okay? And I'm going to keep that on is, doing that. That is true. Actually, that reminds me of something my dad said. But, but before we get to that, and I'll hopefully try and remember it, but... Uh, yeah, like the, I, I, I wanted to do this so that it's a bit more fun. People get to see more new content creators and be introduced to people. And it and it humanizes people, right? Like we're all different people with different experiences. Some are like, you know, sock dem. Some are Marxist-Leninist. Some are just like vaguely progressive or liberal or whatever. It's like, or, or anarchist. Like it's, it's all of us. And it's about, you know, yeah, here's how I feel about these things and what I want in terms of the betterment of, of people's material conditions or their lived experiences. It's, it's about, you know, rehumanizing this group of us. And again, sort of hopefully over time, focusing on the point of, we all recognize that what's going on around us ain't exactly working and we want things to be better for not just ourselves but our friends our families our neighbors our communities our cities like it's that it's it's a clear not thing that about we all what, want. not worrying about not worrying about whether what i said in this video will blackball me from getting certain jobs literally what i was just thinking about you know what i'm saying like not having that concern things like that things that limit opportunity just because you wanted to have a conversation about things affecting you that stuff please let us focus on our humanity and continue to have conversations because i did not come to argue with nobody and i never will (laughs) so please do not any any person who wants to invite me to anything i am personally focused on human experience this is just this because honestly, this entire podcast would just be like me like learning and setting up my boundaries at the same time because you know this is an experience that I'm adding to my repertoire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, that's that's fine. So like, but like, just uh, know, I ain't come to do all of this. 
<laughs> I came to talk to you to be very clear. But okay. that, that's what we're doing. What I will say is my lips been ashy this whole video and it's really bothering me. My black ass is a serious Okay, problem. so that's what's bothering you today. Okay, now yeah. we go. Because I'm over here like licking my lip. I'm trying to do something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> trying to give it a little bit of moisture, but the, the, the salivic acid is just making it worse. It's, it's just a lot. Like, like, it's a lot. So let me go ahead and put this good water and Vaseline on my lips so I can come back. Okay. I'm, I'm liking the play-by-play. -play. Okay. Uh. We're back, we're black. It's a black attack. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Not literally. Please don't. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people like Please let me put that me. in the video. Because some people, literally, some people like cut clips of me and not all of a sudden there's like these clips on social media of me like saying just like out of pocket shit. And I'm just like, please watch the video. I'm begging you. Like, I, I try to be funny. Listen. Listen, watch the video. Matter of fact, you can just read the thumbnail. Anyways, All going right. back to what uh, you Yeah, no, but that, that that's a good point. Um, I would ask that you let me keep that part of the video because that was very funny. I appreciate it. Um, but uh, you, you mentioned something like just like a minute or so ago about, um, you know, you, you have to, to laugh as a black person or else you'd cry. And that's something that I remember my dad saying to me, like not that long ago, um, maybe just a couple months ago where you know we were talking about something and like racism and instances of racism and like racist experiences and he said something to me that still really resonates with me to this day which is oh man like if, actually i i can't really do his like man mannerisms he's kind of like an even more boisterous form of me um but he basically said like the gist of what he said was um if if I got angry about every instance of racism that I experienced, I'd be angry every day, and I can't live my life that way. And I was like, to be a black person in America. Huh, yeah, no, no, like that's... Every day I find myself quoting Baldwin more and more. To be a black person that is con like any level of conscious in America just means to be perpetually angry all of the time. And it was that quote, I always come back to it, and I always use it as like a marker for when I need to rest. Cause personally, I'm not trying to be angry all the time. Like I, I understand, I get it, <laughs> but like- This this channel is mostly for you know. me venting. Right, and I we can tell. Um, <laughs> we can, really? We see that. Was it that obvious? Really, really? <laughs> wow, oh my gosh. Uh, never, I honestly never would figure it out. Um, oh, well, okay. Like I said, you know, it's just, Take a break. All of my activists, I, I'm just being moved. I'm so emotional, y'all. Please ignore me. But like, no, all my we, we will not ignore here, you. This has been great. All of my people out here walking and talking and doing the things. Rest. Look into the Nat Bishop and the Nat Ministry. Rest as a form of radical decolonization. Go to sleep, child. Take a nap. Do that 10 minute meditation that you found on YouTube, but you was thinking it was a little too hippy dippy. Just click on it. It's okay. You'll be fine. I'm sure you can do a quick little shavasana with some yoga. You know, take care of yourself. Cause I feel like that's another thing I've had a conversation. One of the forms of oppression is also fighting against your oppression and having to explain it to people all of the time. I like it's, I view that as why it's exhausting sometimes, yeah. Right. So just make sure that sometimes you just check out. I know a lot of the times, a lot of people don't, 
a lot of people, especially people that look like me, don't have the resources, especially people that look, you look like my friend, you know, here, they don't have the resources to just check out. But in any way, shape, form that you can, you can control your breath. At the very least, just breathe. I'm begging you, take care of yourself in some way, shape, or form. You deserve, just pause. <laughs> um, take a break, you burn like, Yeah. I feel like I'm, my, my hippy-dippy side is coming out a little too much. That You know, Khadija has, like, this it's, thing where she, like, like switches between, like, the hippy-dippy version of herself and her actual self. And I've, like, okay, I've seen I'm a few gonna, of those videos, yeah. I'm going to put down the hippy-dippy Khadija slash victory phone right now. We're just going to come back to to our space. No, yeah. I, I, I keep a lot of my, my hippy-dippy stuff on, on the download, but, like, that's definitely a, a part of it, thanks to my dad and my mom. They were in, like, the 70s, right? So, like hippy dippy stuff drugs like like i literally yeah. grew up with with um like kale before it was cool my mom likes to refer to herself as the first hipster really um because well like I'm, I'm saying like hipster in terms of, like you know oh kale and like quinoa and stuff and mom's like i was feeding you that when you were like two years old these people don't know anything it's like <laughs> my mom when i'm talking about eating more herbs and vegetables and she's literally like i have been feeding you a goosey super since the very beginning you said uh, the time last year, like two years ago, I told him I'm becoming vegan for like the more vitamins and nutrients. It was hell expensive. And yeah, she was just like, uh, that's a conversation so you, for another time. The expensiveness so of veganism. And I've figured out like farmer's markets. It's funny how being sustainable can actually lead to you saving so much money. Farmer's markets, all like life hack for all the vegans out there. Farmer's markets going towards closing time. They literally just are just giving things away. Like so much life stuff. Like, you get bagged. Like, go to a couple of them, because they be near each other, too, especially in disenfranchised communities. Um, not places like New York, obviously, but, like, you know, more Midwestern states, was like, especially them food, little pantries, where, like, the farmers. We have a lot of farmers. Places that have a lot of farmers now. Yeah, yeah. Go to the little markets. Go all up and through there. Find the food. And if there's some, you see some nice, you know, think about your community. Knock on your neighbor door. Hey, yo, you want some rutabagas? You want some some fresh green onion just literally just plucked out of the ground? You know, think about your neighbors, please. Oh, like, um, I, I, but, I, I love yeah. this neighborhood I'm in because, like, everyone's got, like, fruit trees or, like, we got veggie beds. Other people got veggie beds. My so dream! How does it feel to be living my dream? I mean, it's still pretty suburban, so I'm kind of like, eh, yeah. not exactly my thing. But, like, it, it, it's, it's wild. Like, um... My, my aunt's neighbor, she lives, like, we're technically not in the same neighborhood, but it's, like, an adjacent neighborhood in the sort of same-ish area. Uh, her neighbor had, like, this just massive bumper crop of apples this year to the point that it was breaking the limbs. He was like, I need people to come here and just, like, take buckets of apples. So it's like, okay, like, we brought a bucket of apples. And I was like, hey, friends and, like, other neighbors, do you want apples? This guy, like, over, you know, like, sure, you may need your car for, like, driving a few minutes, but, like, he's over there. Just go take apples. Be like, oh, that's great. Like, here, I'll leave him some pears as exchange. Like, oh, you got pears? Yeah, here, oh, I'll make this. Oh, I'm making pear cider. Oh, well, I, I, got, I got tomatoes. So I got jalapenos. And, oh, we got we grow in chard collards um what's the other thing beets uh, is what we've been that growing. is so beautiful oh my gosh i love intercultural and, 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 and our and our neighbor was it's like communal. also growing she was growing squash and because like it started to grow on the property lines like you know what let's just split the squash so like oh in, in, in the autumn right it was basically like okay so we have our harvest plus like the collected harvest from various other neighbors and we were just like drowning in like tomatoes chard beets apples pears squash like the, the only thing we didn't have were like carrots and onions like those are the things we had to buy like 
The only thing that I'm drowning in is black walnuts here. Literally, those I have are a tasty. Black walnut tree. I've never tasted. Them. Apparently, they're poisonous to other plants around them. Um, because I'm a big plant person. You can't see, but like all of these like plants behind. There's so many plants behind you. How like dare you hide this from us? <laughs> because honestly, it's given very much ghetto fabulous. When I get like a good, this is why I need that niggas to support the Patreon. If not even just the niggas, I need. Okay, I'm breaking the black lens for a second. All of you niggas, I need all of y'all to support the Patreon and pay a black creative. So I need to put my plants on a nice little stand so I can see my plants. Because low-key, I've been wanting to do, like, videos in front of my plants. I've been wanting to, like, add more plants, like, back here. But, you know, this is super far away from my nearest light source. So I, I can only put them for, like, during the video. I, I, Listen, y'all want to see more greenery, more plants, more, like, more of my personality? Give me money. Like, and that sounds like a lot like coming in that form but a lot of the times people don't connect like black people are being oppressed a lot of us don't have enough money to do certain things even if you may want certain content especially in the content creation world right where it's like oh we want this type of content from you a lot of niggas we, we don't be having microphones what if like the microphones be said? like well, like a lot of people i know so many content creators that are borrowing church microphones like and i'm not even i know so many of them I'm not <laughs> like please pay black creators and me included. Like I'm it's not just like a self like selfish, like I want money grab thing. Like it's it's needed. It's necessary. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree, although I'm 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 definitely a little Im impressive just like, hey, yo, like sorry for my Patreon here on this episode. I'm but not joking. Honestly, Loki, I'm about to add um, I have a business inquiries email. Y'all email me what y'all feel comfortable paying. Cause I have a $3 and a $7 tier right now. I need more money than that. There you go. To be honest I, with you. We're being hey, transparent. Yo, Matt, like I, I have three tiers on my Patreon and I thought like, like the, the highest tier, I thought there's no way like anyone's going to do that except for maybe like one of my friends. And then there were like suddenly a half dozen people be like, I want the highest tier. Cause I support you as a creator. I'm like, Wow. Okay. Can y'all come over here too? Over here too. And like before you do that, like you can either do the seven dollar one that I have as the highest right now, or just like email me. Like, you know, I have a budget, but like this right here, I'm trying to support you. And I'm gonna just there add you. that as like here <laughs> on the Patreon. Okay. This is a communal exchange. Okay. But if you subscribe to me, you talk yeah. you listening to me. Also, I'm I'm glad you bring up like community and about like borrowing church mics. That's another thing that um like I've I've noticed just in my own experiences is um churches are definitely a huge form of community support in minority communities or at least like Christian minority communities. So like uh, whether you're like a Catholic or a Protestant Latino, I've known yeah. so many people where they've like met people through like a Bible study or like, you know, at, at Sunday school or something like that. And I've heard from like oh. so many friends growing up of, of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like our first band space was actually like the church pulpit at like the Pentecostal church. I'm like, what? That's allowed. And like, you saying you've never done I'm like, no man, I'm not a Christian. This is the first time hearing of it. And, flashbacks <laughs> yeah, not right, but like you see like that's just adding to it of how like and and and, and you know th th that's something right is that a, a lot of people don't recognize sometimes how big a part of the community the church 
can be either in terms of like the the preacher informing people about oh we get we we got the plight of uh sister so and so or the plight of brother so and so or farmer so and so down the lane we gotta help them that's our good duty so like it's yeah yes 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 yes. put that even into more like experiential gary indiana i was recently researching them because i needed to create some form of community plan for them for an internship right gary indiana there is a church i believe every three or so blocks and every three or so blocks there's hundreds of churches in gary indiana because it is so economically disadvantaged because the government just where's the money right so when just speaking to the black church specifically and not even just the black church because i was studying some other stuff and like afro latinos exist people like the like the intercultural i mean you know like there's my, a my, my, my dad and grandma are afro latinos yeah right there's a video recently that went viral about this like there was a black woman preacher and she had a spanish interpreter because a lot of the people that went to the church were not only black but also latino and um hispanic that's the other word and like it was a meme because she was like god doesn't want you to be ordering tacos and enchiladas and you know spanish rice and the you know the interpreter was just giving it her entire mic with the interpretation uh, too she didn't even say spanish rice she said arroz con frijoles you know what i'm saying like she was really interpreting you know what i'm saying okay. she, this was not direct translation and she was just giving it to them like baptist preacher style just like really just riling them up and i was just like <laughs> Yes, this is what solidarity looks like. I mean, this is a little racist, but like, like this is this is what solidarity. It's a little racist, but it's mostly solidarity. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like I said, you know, just like really centering the black Latino, the the all in between mixes child. I don't know how to be politically correct when I'm talking about that. I don't have the range. Just really centering that is a pillar of the community, not even just now but it's back in slavery mm -hmm. and you know that's why i i just i don't rush to judge people's it, you know we have a, all this intellectual knowledge about christianity and religion i'm just like let's not i, I don't engage that stuff in that manner because i'm just like it's just too many emotion and human experiences connected to that for me to just rationalize it that's not it's not rational so i'm not gonna like try and make that mistake. yeah like we, we are profoundly irrational beings for the most part like i still do like having those conversations with um like friends or family that are more religious than me or other people and like different religions and getting their perspective i think there is like value and it's also just interesting to find out different people's perspectives right um but of course like that's not necessarily the place here on this channel because this is just like me being an angry online leftist wow i'm just adding my voice to the sea of fucking thousands right but w one last thing like sort of like end on a bit of a high note and also because i definitely need to get some food in me now um Thanks. but like what are some foods that you absolutely cannot live without i know i already mentioned at the start for me that's like plantain and ceviche i need that shit to live but like like what what, what is it for you like it could even be like a favorite childhood food thing like like what what for you is like that 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 gives that gives you not only like physical fuel but like emotional and spiritual fuel there was a time where i was eating pounded yam specifically with a goosey and i nearly cried <laughs> and just like how cathartic it was because i hadn't had it in such a long time so that's what i'm gonna say is the main and like seeing people you know do the agusi trend and spit out the agusi because it's a taste that they're not used to that's why it was so hurtful which but i'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole i just wanted to 
inform people. Please, okay. when you try other people's, when you try other people's cultural food, please don't, don't do all that. Like, you, if you don't like it, just don't delete the video, please. I'm, I, I, watching people have to do that really like dampen my day. But moving on, like fufu with agusi, something about it. Let <laughs> it just get to your taste buds. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It's just uh, any traditional Nigerian food, you know, jollof rice, um, fried rice. Um, oh my gosh, there's this thing my mom went, oh, what is it called? Jollof. Uh, even though I don't like soups that draw. A lot of people like the, you know, like the dry soups that like do this. Okay. Like the real stretchy soups. Um, me. I've, I've never, never tried that. Njeran stew with goat's meat or lamb. I you know do love saying? me some goat meat, though. I do love that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Goat pepper. The pepper soup. Thank you. Pepper soup. Listen, if that's what... If there was one dish where... Oh, let me say two, because I can't pick one. If there was two dishes, if they were like, you cannot have any of your cultural food except these two dishes, it would be goat pepper soup, and it would be egusi with pounded yam. I'm telling you. Because it's just something about that. It just takes me home. And I, I've never even been home, but I feel I'm just home. You know what I'm saying? Like my definition it's, it's, of home. It's, it's like part of like that cultural upbringing that you've had because of yeah. your your family and what they impact on your. Oh yeah, and also it. in terms of the nigga shit, when I just eat, like bite into a turkey and it's not bland and dry on the inside, like a lot of, let me not call them out, girl. but you know, just you, you know, you know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. The eight, my the eight point five by elevens. You know who I'm talking about. Um. <laughs> When I bite into a piece of turkey and I taste lemon pepper, I taste butter, I taste I garlic. am forever going to refer to the group you're talking about as 8.5 by 11. <laughs> so there was a black woman on TikTok that I stole that from ever since then. I was oh, like, no, that, that, is, that is brilliant. That is genius. In fact, I think we may and have she said one. it in passing. <laughs> oh, she just moved on. Like, oh, no, no, that's beautiful. I that was is absolutely floor. beautiful. Um. But, yeah, <laughs> no, right. that, I, I, I love that. I, I, that, that's, that's so beautiful. I'm having, I'm having an absolutely fantastic night. <laughs> I've learned so much tonight. Um, with, with that, I think I'm going to say thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure. Wow. We've been doing this for like two hours. The actual recording will obviously be a bit shorter, but, uh, victory. Thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Peace and love to all. Center your humanity in your conversations. Make sure that your conversations are conversations and not debates. And make sure to, you know, let's not get too much into the I don't see color, hippie dippy liberal nonsense. But, you know, acknowledging people's race, acknowledging things that actually exist and loving them anyways. And not like in spite of. You know what I'm saying? Like loving them because of. Let's let's let let's let other people's life experiences inform the way that we love them because people accept love in different manners, right? I'm so interested in how we can just love each other more in ways that actually make sense for us, in which in ways in which we interpret love, not in ways that your community or your people in your more personal community might interpret love. We can go into love languages and all that other stuff. Just study more about love languages if we haven't already. It, it applies to communities as well. That's all I'm gonna say. See, I'll be talking, I'll be talking, you know, I'm trying to let you go. You said too hungry, I'm hungry too. I'm dehydrated. All right, to save him, we're gonna cut the tape.
Hi, Bother Brigade. Thank you once again for tuning into yet another episode of Progressive Profiles. And again, a huge thank you to Victory the Creator for being a guest. I hope I speak for everyone when I say that we had a lot of fun. We learned a lot. I hope everyone feels the same. It was a fantastic conversation. I'm very glad it happened. And, uh, you know, I, I hope people can take some of those things to heart about humanity and what we go through in terms of our life experiences and our outlooks and our perspectives, especially given kind of how wild the world seems these days. Links to Victory the Creator's socials will be in the description down below. And also don't forget to like and subscribe, especially if you made it here to the very end of the video. And uh, if you like what you see here and what we're doing here, then feel free to go and support us over on Patreon. A link for that will also be in the description down below. And again, thank you once again to my patrons who support me and this channel. Y'all are amazing. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it results in stuff like this. And I had a great time. But unfortunately, all that talk of good food just keeps making me hungry for delicious foods that I can't have as often as I want. And that's what's bothering me today.